Hi, everyone. We thank you for joining us today. Letting you know as you file in, you are in the right place. This is the Safety and Health Magazine webinar sponsored by Process Map. Going to get things going in about one minute from now. Again, we say hello and welcome everyone, letting you know you're in the right place as you get logged on. Going to get the webinar going in about 30 seconds. And welcome to today's Safety and Health Magazine webcast, Avoiding EHS Pitfalls, OSHA, Engagement, and KPIs, sponsored by Process Map. My name is Kevin Drooley. I'm an associate editor with Safety and Health Magazine, and we'll be moderating today's session. Thanks for joining us. In a few minutes, we'll start a presentation, but first, let's review some preliminary items. The views of today's speakers and organizations are their own and may not necessarily reflect those of the National Safety Council or Safety and Health Magazine. Any mention of a commercial enterprise, product, or publication does not necessarily mean the council or magazine endorses those items. At the end of today's webcast, we'll conduct a question and answer session. To ask a question, simply click the Q&A button at the bottom of your screen, type your question, and click the send button. Feel free to ask your question at any time during the presentation. You don't have to wait for the question and answer session to begin. I'll try to answer as many questions as possible today but because of the large number of participants, we may not get to every question. Any unanswered questions will be forwarded along to today's speakers. At the end of the webcast, you'll be asked to complete a brief evaluation survey. We'll let you know more about that after the presentation. This webcast will be archived, so you can access it after today's live event. To view this webcast and all of our past webcasts, please visit safetyandhealthmagazine.com events. With that, let's go ahead and get started. Our speakers today are Josh Sandoval and Jeremy Hurt. Josh serves as HSE Director for JBT Aerotech Airport Services and brings vast knowledge of operations management, emergency management, team leadership, and occupational safety and health to his role. Jeremy is Director of EHS Solutions at Process Map. A certified safety professional, he helps large employers determine the best technology strategy for automating EHS processes and defining the requirements for achieving that strategy. Also with us today is John Cork. John is VP of Marketing at Process Map, where his duties include helping the organization remain an active participant in the EHS community by sharing ideas and practices that drive the profession forward. His background has involved examining how tech helps organizations eliminate risk and improve performance. Again, we thank you all for tuning into this presentation. John's gonna get things going for us today. So John, whenever you're ready, please go ahead and take it away. Let's do it. Thank you, Kevin, for the great intro, and thank you all for being here. I'm really excited, and uh, yes, uh, my uh, profile is intentionally absent from this, this slide because Josh and Jeremy bring a wealth of knowledge. They've walked the proverbial mile or perhaps multiple miles, I want to ask them to quantify, uh, in this profession, and my role is to sort of keep this, this dialogue going and, and, and largely stay out of the way. Uh, but I am excited to be with, here with you all today. We hope this is a lively and informative session for you. Uh, we anticipate having time for your questions at the end, but as Kevin mentioned, pose them at any time. 
and we'll gather them and we'll get to as many as we can live and, and the others we can follow up with you afterwards. So hopefully we're generating questions um, uh, along the way, that's certainly our intent. So a quick roadmap for today. We are gonna touch on uh, four areas um, in, in I guess sort of the broad vein of sort of start, stop, continue, right? Looking at the beginning of the calendar year as a really excellent moment in time to take stock of what you're doing, um, evaluate what other uh, safety teams, other EHS teams uh, are doing that's been successful and effective, um, and assess whether those can be applied to your business. And again, we are, I'm gonna pick the brains on this call with Jeremy and Josh uh, in terms of what they have directly implemented, what they're doing today and what they have seen work, as well as some of the pitfalls, right? Some of the areas where perhaps another business, like perhaps Josh or Jeremy will share some examples of things that haven't worked and how those might, how those might uh, help you avoid that same fate. Um, quick note before we get into the rest of it, uh, I am from Process Map, as mentioned. Uh, if you don't know us, we provide EHS software that helps you get better data, more employer participation, and track accountability um, and closure for any items that help you improve safety performance. So check us out at processmap.com. If you if you don't know of us and are curious, you can find lots of information or you know how to reach me. But that's not the purpose of this event. Um, purpose of the event is to share information. Uh, before we get into the meat of the dialogue here, the panel uh, with Josh and Jeremy, and before I start piping down, we have two questions we want to pose to you. Um, so um, in just a minute, we'll open a poll question. Um, these are short. Uh, these aren't uh, sort of scored or tested. This is just to help us, you know, inflect and infuse the conversation with what matters to you. So you should see the poll question up now. First one we're going to ask you, in your own assessment, right, how engaged are employees in your safety program today? And if you're curious, this is not based on any sort of empirical peer-reviewed methodology. This is just uh, a simple sort of three-set option. And just, again, we, just to help us, you know, uh, shape the dialogue, and how to, how to approach this, this topic, the engagement topic. So we'll leave this open for 30 seconds or so, uh, and then we'll share the results with you. I'd be curious to see if, if the results uh, match what I, would, what I would, yeah. So that, that doesn't, uh, those results are, I think, largely in, in line with what I would have expected. I don't know, Josh, if you have any initial reaction to the responses from the attendees. Yep. Well, you know, looking at that, and and I know that um, I think I've discussed this in the in the past with with you, John and Jeremy, about um, worker engagement, right? And we'll probably talk a little bit later on that. But yeah, that's following right about the trend where you see the active um, coming in at about forty five percent. There's always that that opportunity, right? When you look at the passive and resistance, and looking what's the opportunity we can get to move those. Uh, numbers over to the to the active and engaged uh, population. So interesting. Yeah, not a lot of not a lot of organizations, at least represented on this call, that that do this as an extreme liability, right? In terms of that resistant that, that that skepticism. So that's great to see. But to your point, passive is a good step. But but certainly on this call, we'll talk about 
how do you, you know, what can you do from a process, from a tool, from a communication standpoint to get people to that active level? So one more poll question and then I promise we'll get right into the, uh, right into the, the meat of the, the subject today. So last question is, and I know we're wedging you into a set of choices. So I know that there are other options beyond these choices, but um, for the purpose of this event, um, of the six uh, priorities that are listed, which in your mind is top? Um, just select select one, and again, we'll leave this open for thirty seconds or so. Close it out and um, and pay out the bets between Josh, Jeremy, and me on who was right. Um, <laughs> just kidding. There's no gambling involved in this event. So let's see what they came back at. And, and, and incidents is our first topic up today, right? Our first topic up today. So um, kind of encouraging to see, uh, and we're talking about training as well. So kind of encouraging to see those, those come up. Uh, and Jeremy, I'll pick on you for this, for this one, a little unprompted. Uh, I didn't ask you ahead of the event, though I should have, how you thought these results would come back, but um, how does this line up versus what you would have expected? I, I think it's, it's right on where I would have expected. Um, reducing incidents, you know, most of the time, safety EHS folks are very passionate about people um, and reducing incidents. You know, that is all kind of tied into the regulatory compliance, increasing participation. You know, all of those things will kind of wrap into hopefully reducing your incidents. So that's kind of where I would hope it would be. Um, you know, increasing participation, um, I think, is another one I would have thought I would have saw a little bit higher. But, you know, this is pretty much where I would expect it to be. Um, every organization is kind of at their own um, their own journey um, in the safety world. So um, some of these might be, uh, you know, they might have some of the stuff covered out already and feel really good about employee um, participation. So maybe they're more focused on automation. So, um, but this is, is kind of what I expect. Yeah, and if I look at it and went through one lens, process automation and reporting analytics are really in support of these other initiatives, to your point. The participation and reducing incidents, that's about people, right? That That's, those are the, outward practices that ultimately reduce uh, reduce that risk, reduce the risk of harm um, to your people. So anyway, so reducing incidents is, is the top priority according to that poll. It is the first topic we wanted to cover with this panel. So we will, without further ado, thank you uh, everyone attending for uh, sort of participating in those. Um, we will now kick things off, talking a little bit about incidents. Um, and, and the first thing, um, I wanted to sort of start things off with is focus and prioritization because there's a lot to do, especially at the start of the year, start of the, the calendar year. And for many of you, it might also be the start of your fiscal year. Um, you know, I want to ask our panel, you know, not all incidents are equal, right? Sort of as my observation around incidents. And, and so, you know, what are some, some tips, techniques, and I'll start with you, Josh, that you might employ to help determine where to focus within your incidents and, and how to start making meaningful strides towards reducing incident rate. Right, thanks. Yeah, um, and good to see on the poll, you know, that, that the uh, incidents are the, are the first uh, priority. And then you can probably, as Jeremy alluded to, where um, based on the maturity of a, sa of a company's safety system, um, where they may have moved up that totem pole of, okay, we've, we've got this under control, now we can move along. So for, for me, um, the first thing that, that I look at um, to, to focus on 
how to reduce incidents is to look at the history, right? Because history is our greatest predictor of the future. Um, and, you know, it, I would, you know, really look at the, at the data that's associated with it, analyze that data. Is it, you know, I work in airport services industry where we're working on airports, but I've also worked in manufacturing type environments where you can kind of identify, okay, this work cell or work area is, is really prone um, to injuries. And then you can narrow it down to, well, what type of injury is, is coming out of there? So it's really digging into that data, trending and analyzing that data um, is really helpful. Also, uh, I like to look at, at the OSHA top tens um, that can be associated in, in the industry that I'm working in. I'm working in 1910. And so I'll, I'll focus on that and then see how that applies to my um, industry. And then do I have exposure there? Kind of line out um, what, you know, what that looks like as applying it to us. And then also, you know, digging a little bit deeper into those areas, once you've identified it, is kind of looking for the, um, the deviation that could happen within that process um, that would cause somebody to make a localized rational decision that may be different than the process that's in place. The same reason that you see people working on the top step of a ladder, it's not like they wanna be on that top step of a ladder, but they may have a ladder that's too short. It may be a, you know, the ladder that, the right ladder that's available may be too far away from them. And so you have these um, production pressures, you have these uh, people's kind of um, gradient to, um, to kind of do it the most easy way. And if you think about that, like carrying your groceries into the house, you're gonna try and grab all the bags and do it in, in one go. Um, and then you have you know safety saying, well, we need to do it this way. And so, if we can make those things more convenient, anyway, looking through the data, I'm kind of unpacking too much, but looking at that data, um, you can really look at that and then the process is involved and then making it, applying that approach um, really to, to cater to um, that efficiency and, um, and the convenience to the team members that work in that area, so. That's great. Jeremy, what would you add? Yeah, I, mean, I think, uh, you know, make sure that you know, as, as you, you look back and you reflect on your data and the history and, you know, you go back a couple of years, you know, take a look at some of the corrective actions and the policies and things that were updated um, as a result of those incidents. You know, having an incident is, is bad enough. Having that same incident uh, is, is a really bad thing. So making sure you're looking at your data, um, you know, if you if you have an incident where you, you know, maybe you know, hopefully you're a little bit higher on the hierarchy of control. Uh, but if it's a training issue, did you did you update your procedures? Did you update your slide decks? Things for the next year with new hires coming in, making sure those type of things have been updated so you can share that and not have to learn that you know that negative lesson twice. Um, I think training is a big deal. Uh, you know, refreshing training. Uh, I, I used to when I would do my fire drill training, I would uh, download a YouTube clip from the office, the show the office, the fire drill. Um, short little clip, but it's a good icebreaker. It's a good thing to, you know, kind of, you know, 
let have people let their guard down um, and also, you know, just kind of fresh. Um, you know, change, you know, hopefully you can, you can get into changing the attitude of, oh, it's safety training again, going in there and, you know, maybe having, uh, having a little fun uh, to start with and knowing that you have some stuff that you need to accomplish. Um, but it doesn't have to be just straight to it. Um, you know, that, that's really it for me and, uh, you know, not to minimize KPIs, uh, but, you know, let's, let's make sure we're focusing on, on the employees and the people. Um, it's a big deal. There's a sea of KPIs out there that people are, are you know, really focused on. And every one of those, typically, if it's a, uh, if it's incident related KPI, then, uh, you know, all those have a people have people behind them. So, um, it's, it's easy to kind of get lost, um, in a, a you know, sea of KPIs and dashboards and those type of stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, make sure that you're hopefully taking care of your folks. Get into the specific incidents. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, what are some areas that are easy to perhaps underappreciate or miss that are easy to not spend enough time on? Um, you know, Jeremy, anything that, that comes to mind for you? I think changes, uh, changes inside the facility, outside the facility. You know, there's always the weather changes depending on where you're at. Um, but you know, making sure that you're prepared for winter, um, the winter changes. So uh, we have, you know, you have salt, you have, uh, you know, your snow plows ready to go. Um, those type of things, making sure if you have used a contractor um, that you are clear on expectations of when they're going to come in to, uh, to clear your parking lot. Um, you know, opposite side, summertime, making, you know, having preparations for Gatorade, for water, uh, you know, sunscreen, cooling towels, all of, all of those uh, you know, little things that, that can go missed or you not be ready to have that supply on hand. Uh, and lastly, kind of changes inside the facility. Uh, you know, it could be facility layout, could be machinery. You know, even with uh, you know, times where I've had times where I brought in the exact same machine, uh, but you know, we had a near miss because we had that machine in. It was on a different line, and we added an interlock. Uh, well, when the engineer scoped out the machine for the for the you know the new one coming in that interlock wasn't in place. So now you're kind of setting your employee up for a very bad situation because they're mentally thinking you're going to they're gonna open up those doors and that's going to stop. Um, so really you know, focus on the changes, making sure you know, MOC process, uh, you know, if you've got a good, strong MOC process, really important, you can catch some of those things, but uh, changes seem to always, uh, we're always a, uh, a issue and, and hard to manage. I'm going to jump in for a second because this is a true story of the audience. And this is my first time uh, with, with Jeremy as a co-presenter and um, he's in a weather situation, right? He's, he's in a city that's getting, getting bombarded with rain and on the prep call, he's going, all right, everyone, he's, we're taking on his list. I've got a flashlight. If the, if the power goes out, I got a generator running. I got my notes. I mean, this man is so prepared. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, thank goodness you come from a safety background. Um, yeah. What, what else would you add Josh to the, to those suggestions? So, yeah, those were all good things, um, uh, great things that Jeremy had pointed out, you know, and, and that does uh, that method, uh, the, the change program, um, looking at that um, and applying that to your organization is definitely a key. Also, you know, I like to look at that at, at a systems based approach to um, to safety and see how other, you know, factors come in and, and the time that we live in and, you know, the I don't want to say the COVID word, but I'll say, you know, the post-COVID society now where we we saw the, what what they call it, the great resignation, right? And so there was a a shortage of um, of team members, you know, potential 
candidates for jobs. Um, but looking at, at how all of that plays into effect, because then, um, you, you know, you could run into uh, stretching into overtime situations. And there's you know, studies out that show that, that you know, um, team members working overtime are at greater risk of, of having an incident occur uh, up to 61%. And so when you're able to partner as um, with HSC with your HR group, if they're doing the hiring and then your production group, as Jeremy was saying, um, we're in engineering where you're going in and, and looking at, at um, the HSC aspects of, of how these all affect um, the, the front line it's very important. Uh, it pays dividends to to do that rather than um, trying to, as an HSE person, kind of work in a vacuum or work in a bubble where you're kind of relegated to going out and just doing um, quick inspections. And, and those work, but I think the, the biggest um, payoff is when you can partner with those other groups, you can get together, you can talk through some of those changes and some of the, the problems that, that you guys are having as an organization and how that affects um, safety at the organization. Great, so if I, I sum up, it's sort of, sort of changes in three facets, three changes within your work sites, right? Changes in the exterior of work sites, as Jeremy mentioned, weather, et cetera, and then changes in the macroeconomic and hiring environment, to your point. Are, are you running more overtime? Are people coming in more stressed? Is there more illness? Right, and how does that affect sort of shifts and people's alertness, et cetera? That's that's brilliant. Um, one other angle on on incidents, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk. It's been for a long time about culture, safety culture. It's sort of great, great idea. It's a little abstract for me, right? What are some ways to make that sort of actionable, and how do you see culture? Uh, what are some culture tune-ups or culture KPIs? You know, that can help you uh, address incident rates. Josh, you want to kick it off? Sure. Um, you know, first, uh, it, it, whenever I think about culture and I think about, um, I, and I don't know where everyone's organization is, you, you have a culture curve, right, um, of, of where that, what, what that looks like. It can be mapped out and different words used to describe different levels of um, the engagement um, that you have for your, your journey along that that culture curve um, but first knowing that uh, you can't manage what you're not measuring um, that that's important to know and so if you're at a start off you know level you, you have to start you know you have to put that stake in the ground and say hey this is where the water level is now this is how we're moving um, but it you know and starting that up uh, it reminds me of, I think it was in Good to Great, where they describe kind of like the big wheel on the price is right. And they say, okay, you know, you, you can walk into one organization and you can see a great safety culture firing on all cylinders. They're, you know, hazard reporting. They're doing corrective action reporting. They're, you know, doing all, the, all of these great proactive safety things. But it doesn't start out like that, right? And just like you see on... Uh, you know, the price is right or the will of fortune just to use them. Uh, and in that book, good to great, they just start about, okay, what it takes, you have to push that wheel at first. And it's, you know, it's, it's going to take some, some effort to start that spinning. And so um, that's, that's what um, we're, we're putting that stake in the ground, measuring, identifying 
KPIs, um, start measuring where you're at. Um, get those definitions of whatever you think um, you would like to adopt for your organization if you're just starting out, um, whether it's going to be described as from the bottom up of, of vulnerable, um, are you reactive, or, or is your organization compliant, you know, proactive and generative. That's what we use because that's a good fit for us. Um, and then you can have scoring in there. Now, I've also heard other terms used to describe different levels of safety um, and maturity, you know, forced, reactive, you have buy-in and proactive. So again, it's, it's identifying, there's a lot of different ways to do it, but um, identifying what works best for your organization and then um, defining those levels in there for your audits. Hopefully, you know, you're able to, to, to have auditing um, I know that was a problem, especially during the um, the past. I don't want to, I'm going to say COVID again. Uh, that, that, that was a past, you know, people weren't traveling. Participation as, drops off drastically when you do that. <laughs> Gosh, we just, we keep losing, we're hemorrhaging people every time you say COVID. <laughs> so, uh, well, that was a, a, a tough thing, you know, and people weren't traveling as much. A lot of safety people, I for one, travel a lot to go do, to, to go look at sites and, and kind right. of find it where we're at at the site. And then put those corrective actions in place. And so having those metrics built in, and if you score here, that means we're, we're likely in here. And then you have that description that describes where you're at. And then you have, again, that stake in the ground to measure where you're gonna be at next year after you put those corrective actions in place. Yep, that's good. Yeah, right, have a scale, use some scale to your point, have a scale that describes where you are today. You can't, right, Rome wasn't built in a day. Um, and there are a lot, I've seen several maturity curves, to your point, with similar notions of how to how to measure them. Anything to add on that topic, Jeremy? Yeah, I think celebrate your wins. Uh, you know, they're, you know, changing a safety culture is, is a journey. It's not a destination. Uh, you know, they're, uh, you know, they're, you know, celebrate those wins because you know, as EHS folks, we know that. Your, your job is never done. It's never over. You never finish. Um, you're constantly wanting to improve, constantly wanting to get better. Um, so celebrate those, you know, those, those small wins um, whenever they're at. If you have a, you know, a risk, uh, you know, a risk reduction that you've implemented, celebrate those wins. Uh, you know, let people know about it. Um, you know, changing a culture, getting participation, you know, it's a lot easier if you have, you know, if you're the winning team. Um, if people see you doing good things, people see, you know, it's easy for fans to get uh, to join bandwagons. Um, you don't want to be the lineman of the HS world where nobody knows your name until you're giving up a bunch of sacks. Um, so, you know, celebrate some of those wins because you're going to have losses. Uh, there are going to be times where things don't work out. Uh, but, you know, you don't want to be every time you're stepping in front of your management team. It's to talk about an incident. Uh, make sure you're, you're taking credit for a lot of things you do. And sometimes that's hard. And, you know, it's kind of cliche to say, build a brand. Um, you know, it's not really your brand. It's not really a, something you're going to make money off of, but building that safety brand, that safety, uh, you know, kind of getting that momentum going to increase your participation or have people join or have people talk to you and engage, uh, you know, making sure that uh, we're trying to turn a culture that way um, and, you know, have people join the winning team. I love it. Everyone wants to win. Um, speaking of, of employees, you mentioned employee participation. Let's let's shift to employee engagement. And um, you know, Josh is one of the prep calls. You talked about uh, you know KPI. Like, what is it? How do you quantify employee engagement? What's a good target? I think you'd mentioned uh, 
you know, a target, you, you, you set up a JBT. You want to talk a little bit about that? Right. Yeah. And, and then to try and dovetail into what Jeremy was just saying about celebrating those wins and, and um, it's a lot easier. You know, there's the old adage of you get more bees with honey than vinegar. Right. So you want to have that, that, um, that, that positive culture um, there and you want those positive interactions um, with safety. I think it goes without saying. And so, um, in in that and in talking about some of the KPIs we do and, and then trying to gain that buy-in um, to where we can then be engaged and active and, and um, build that proactivity and engagement. Um, we'll let them know that this is, is your information. You know, we use a transparent system um, in, in doing that. And so um, if there's a concern, uh, that can be seen at all levels of management and so the there is no hiding things in the shadow sunlight's the best disinfectant and so we encourage um we try to gain buy-in that way um and encourage participation through that we set um our kpi targets for things like um near misses we also use our near misses as as um opportunities for hazard reporting because if you really try and fence things and again and where we are on our culture maturity level it, it needs to be that way um to where you can kind of put those together and then that will you know, once we, we we progress on then maybe we can take it apart and use the safety textbook version of a near miss um, um but uh, just to clear that up but allow them to use hazard reporting in there and then um we set a participation rate based on head count and so we use 35% of a, um, of a site headcount per month to um, get those near misses or hazard reports um, via a near miss form to be turned in. And then uh, site leadership is very important. Site leadership reviews that. And then um, the HSE group will review that as well. And I say, it's very important that site leadership or the frontline leadership uh, supervisors um, review that because if I were to tell you that it's turning a near miss and you don't know anything about where I'm at and I said well there was a team member that was um, crossing Jones Road at 11 o'clock at night without wearing a safety vest right um, you would say well I, I don't know anything about Jones Road but Knowing that, and I'm here, I have the local knowledge if I'm a frontline supervisor, I know that that's a four lane road where the speed limit's about 50 miles an hour. And so they're at greater risk of getting hit there if they're wearing, you know, not wearing some type of reflective um, or high visibility. So that's why I really try to um, encourage that, require that, that, that those frontline supervisors are looking at those near misses. And then we look through them because we'll look through for um, potential SIF-related, uh, SIF being severe injury or fatality potentiating events. And so we kind of triage through that, make sure nothing stands out to us, and then uh, we'll go on. So it's great. Uh, and yeah, I love the, love the vivid example of the reason that you want employees reporting and supervisors reviewing it, because there might be stuff not in the incident description per se, but it's important for risk assessment. Jeremy, how does technology play a role in getting employees to participate? 
I mean, it's it, hopefully you're making it easier to to report incidents and get them involved. Uh, I remember what I, I was working with a maintenance person and we were talking about an app to report incidents. And you know, I look at this guy and his his fingers are the size of my wrist, they're like giant sausages. And you know, I'm talking to him and he's like, you, know, you really want me to type something in on my phone? Uh, and I was like, uh, showed him the talk to text um, feature. Loved it. Loved it. You know, as long as they could speak, pick up, you know, Southern Indiana language with some, some y'alls thrown in there, uh, he, he was good to go. So, uh, you know, you're going to have people that are more comfortable with technology, less comfortable with technology. Uh, so kind of have a, a, a reporting system that encourages all different types to, you know, so you're not alienating maybe, maybe your, your older folks, uh, they aren't as comfortable with technology with, um, you know, with logging into an app and reporting an incident. So having a paper-based um, system for them, uh, you know, having an app, if you have, you know, maybe some of those folks are just great at technology and, and that's what they want. Just, you know, varying that kind of media uh, where you can input in incidents and get that involvement from, from everybody in a way that they feel comfortable, uh, I think is, is, you know, a, a good way to make sure you're getting that participation. So yeah. I and I know that yeah, your example ahead. earlier, Josh, of the, uh, of the ladder and not wanting to walk further to get the ladder. I've also heard, you know, examples of organizations putting in sort of kiosks at various points in the, in a work environment, right? So that people don't have to go far, you know, just simple things like that. Just what's the, what's the level of friction or difficulty, perceived difficulty for somebody, effort for somebody to go report that incident. Uh, that's great. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to jump in there. Josh, you other comments on that. That's great. I also wanted to sort of toss out the question around what can go wrong. Right? We all have best intentions with employee engagement, but what, what can cause somebody to, uh, you know, what, what cause an organization to, get, to take a step back perhaps with, with, with participation? For me, it's, I feel like sometimes, uh, we don't close the loop with employees. Um, and sometimes it's harder to do, especially if you're, you know, a no blame, um, no name system, um, where they're reporting stuff anonymously, uh, but not closing that loop with employees. If they do, uh, if they do report an incident, if they do report a hazard, you know, sometimes those hazards might take a little bit to, uh, to, you know, alleviate. So, you know, letting them know, Hey, we have this, we're getting quotes, um, keep them involved, keep them engaged. So, you know, they're not immediately turned off um, from the reporting process or from the, you know, the safety you know, culture or environment um, where, you know, that, oh, well, I submitted a hazard and you didn't, you didn't do anything about it. You know, following up with them, you know, kind of keeping some good communication so they, they do feel, and, and it might be, hey, we can't do that right now. Uh, you know, we, we can't do that. We need to, you know, look at addressing it and maybe something a little lower on the hierarchy until you can get some, you know, engineering uh, some elimination type uh, fixes in, but you know, closing that loop, making sure they're comfortable, making sure that uh, that you have folks that that continue to feel engaged and continue to feel valued. Yeah, Jeremy, it's spot on. You know, you, you, there's very, you know, it, it can be frustrating when you're posed with a, a tough, you know, challenge that it's not just a simple fix out there. But it, you know, I, 